0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Our guest today is John Dufresne. His latest novel, I Don't Like Where This Is Going, was just published this spring. It's his second crime novel, but his sixth novel overall. He's also written two short story collections and two books on writing. Today we're in his office at Florida International University, where he teaches in the creative writing department. You can find out how to win a free signed copy of John's, I Don't Like Where This Is Going, on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. John, thanks so much for having us today.
1: Thanks for coming here.
0: I Don't Like Where This Is Going is full of really interesting characters. Your narrator, Wiley Coyote Melville, is a therapist turned investigator, and his friend, Bay Latique, is an illusionist who makes his money playing poker they're in Las Vegas because they're running away from some trouble in Florida. While sitting in the Luxor Hotel they see a woman fall from a ledge to her death and that starts the whole adventure. The hotel downplays this incident and even acts like it never happened so Wiley wants to get to the bottom of it and find out did she commit suicide or was she pushed. Now this is your second Wiley Coyote novel. Right. What made you decide to start writing crime?
1: Um. Well, the first time I tried it was when Les Standiford was editing a book called Miami Noir, and he asked me if I would write a, a, story, a crime story, and I said, all right, I'll give it a shot, and I did, and I wrote a story called um, The Timing of Unfelt Smiles, in which Wiley was the central character, and it, it uh, was selected as one of the best mystery stories of, I think it was 2007. And uh, I thought, well, that's good. And then uh, Dennis Lehane asked me to write uh, for Boston Noir, another story. And I grew up in Massachusetts. So I, I said, sure, I did that. And that story was uh, best American mysteries of 2010 or whatever year it was. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I can do this. Let me try a novel, you know, at it. And uh, so I, I resurrected Wiley from the first story, gave him a lot more trouble than he had in that story, and sort of modeled ahead to see what would happen, and uh, found him a, a cohort in uh, uh, this fellow, uh, Bay, who um, who had access to the sort of underworld that, that uh, Wiley wouldn't have had. And so that got us into... Uh, in with the bad guys as well as the good guys and all of that so and that was it and and i had fun writing it and it was uh i had five bodies in the first chapter i think it was five three children and, and the parents dead on christmas eve and uh um and i was probably 250 or so pages into writing it and i didn't know who done it so, so I thought, oh, this is why they make the big money, because they have to write the book and also solve the crime. And I thought, okay, so I have to f- do this. I have to go back to the beginning, figure out who who in here that I already care about and like is the bad guy or the bad woman or the bad people, and I did. And then, of course, you have to rewrite at that point. And, and then I did the, when I did the last one, uh, they had to leave at the end of the first book because they were being pursued by various good guys and bad guys and uh they went to vegas because Bay plays poker and makes his living and that was his decision they went and uh and uh, as you said the, they get involved with uh, somebody uh, an apparent uh suicide and uh, what uh then i then it started all over again and it was and i did the same thing and i still didn't know long way into it who did this um who <laughs> why would they have done it and all of that so that's kind of the fun of doing it for me is that I'm not practiced in that art, um, and uh, as a writer it's always interesting to give yourself a problem that you don't think you can solve, and it makes you work harder at it. And so that's, so again, I had fun the second time.
0: That was actually going to be my next question because In so many ways, the novel is really outrageous. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's Wiley encounters these child beauty contestants, Mm -hmm. uh, beauty pageant contestants. There (laughs) are these people who live in pipes underneath Vegas, Mm -hmm. and they're Mormon gangsters. And we learn about this new kind of Botox for... Gamblers, so that they don't, uh, you know, give away any of their secrets while they're playing the games. And there's a, a rocket launcher that's purchased on Craigslist that we see. So it does seem like this would be really fun to ride. And is mm-hmm. that the way you approach it? I'm going to sit down yeah. and have some fun. Yeah,
1: it is. It's like, uh, so there's some bad stuff. And I did want to explore the, uh, the really um, uh, disheartening world of uh, uh Sort of human trafficking involved in this, and all of that from the from the the uh, like the fields of uh, Florida, you know, the tomato fields, and all of that, all that kind of, um, and uh, into the prostitution and and that in Vegas, well, everywhere, but uh, in Vegas spe- specifically. And, uh, so while doing that, I also, I think the reader doesn't want to be, needs to breathe once in a while and get up and not just be in there, so, um, so it was, yeah, so I want to have some fun in there and, and, uh, uh, and Wiley's somebody who notices things about the world and, and thinks in a way that maybe a lot of us don't, and so things capture his imagination, like the, the kids at the beauty patch and he can't figure out what what's going on, um, and, uh, uh, and in a way i suppose it's plays into that whole kind of beauty and uh sort of unsavory sexuality that sometimes in america begins in childhood um anyway but uh but i was trying to have fun with that more than anything else so yeah
0: well those topics though the the human trafficking the abuse of farm workers i mean that's pretty hefty stuff yeah. Yeah. Do you want people to come away with some sort of message about those things when they finish reading the book?
1: Um I don't know that I'm sending a message, but I want I wanted them to sort of I want just to take a look at you know this is what's going on and um and uh, uh at some point I'm trying to think of I think it's Wiley who's who's wakes up thinking about um saying that um When you see oppression around you, um, if you don't do anything about it, then you're kind of part of it, uh, and you're complicit in what's going on, and you can't ignore it and um, think that it's going to go away. And so it's, you know, we we all, there's not a whole lot that any of us as individuals can probably do, but at least if we acknowledge it and we present it and we think about it, it maybe some... You know, we can begin to make some changes, and and I don't even want to. I didn't go want to go that far. Like this is what you should do, but it's like, this is the world you're living in, and don't close your eyes to it. Yeah.
0: Well, throughout this novel, we just learned so much about all of the characters in really mm. great detail. I mean, even the minor ones. And I know in reading it for me, there are sometimes you would tell us so much about a particular character. I was just convinced they were going to reappear <laughs> or play a larger role in the novel. But that wasn't always the case. Right. So why do you think it's so important to give the reader so mm. much information about really these, are you know, bit players in the story?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I, I like to think uh, that every character is the central, every character in my book is the central character of her own novel. Um, and I want to suggest, excuse me, that everybody um, and has their own story. I can't tell them all, uh, but I like to suggest what they might be, what the story might be, and what their trouble might be, and what their goals are, and what their aspirations are, and what their troubles are. Uh, and so I do that, and I have fun, and I get to know the characters, and I don't want them to go away. Um, and but some of them, you know, have to. You don't have enough time to tell everybody's story. And um, I think I know that um, maybe I do that uh, to a fault almost. Maybe I ought to, uh, you know, like, say, ah, well, there there were some people who didn't make it to the <laughs> to the final manuscript draft, uh, but. Um, I, I, when I'm writing it, I indulge all my characters and I find out as much as I can about them. And then sometimes, uh, you know, you're kind of like a a director when you're writing a book and, uh, auditioning your characters and some of them pass the audition and some of them don't. Um, and it's not, you know, so you have to cut them back or cut them out. Um, but, uh, but I, I just really interested in people. And so every time I get a character walk on, I want to know what, what's going on with him.
0: You know, we already touched on this a little bit, but in addition to uh, all these light-hearted moments in the novel, there is a lot more serious stuff going on too. I mean we see lots of violence and you know some of that you really describe in great detail and some of it we're sort of left to imagine. As you're writing, how do you decide what to put in which category? Like what you're going to show us right there on the page Mm. and what you're going to leave to the reader's imagination?
1: Well, what I try to do is everything that's important, and every time I want you to slow down and uh, feel something, um, I write a scene. Um, if I think, if so, if it's important, especially in to to uh, Wiley, if it's important to his struggle to find out what he needs to find out, then I'll write the scene. Um, sometimes things just occur, you know. Uh, when it opened, uh, I think um, there's a dog. A dog attacks some. Oh, bug. A- uh, pack of dogs attacks a guy I don't, and I had read something about a dog attack it had nothing to do with Las Vegas but I thought wow that's scary and then once those dogs were introduced they said well what else can I do with these dogs and I found out right away when the, the police officer who arrived says the wild dogs are all out here and it was kind of for me a symbol of how out of control the culture is and especially you know for me I'm using Las Vegas as a and I've been there a lot. Uh, I don't gamble at all, so I actually enjoy it probably more than other people. Um, and it's a fascinating place, but it's also, it's completely devoted to money and and, and all, I guess, capitalism and mercantilism and all of that sort of uh, things. And, um, and meanwhile, uh, just beyond it is just, just nowhere. And I always thought in driving, when I drive out in Nevada, not so much in... Uh, Las Vegas is. If you if you get if you break down out here, God bless you. Cause I don't know because I almost ran out of gas and there was no service. There was no cell phone service. It was not like that. Of course, why did I let myself get in that position? But uh, all of that and I just anything can happen here. I just anything and no one would ever know. You could vanish so easily in that big desert out there. So that was the initial attraction was the desert more than the city. Uh, and so it just getting beyond the civilization is like everything sort of is, the dogs represent something. They're coming back for you, uh, all of that. Nature's coming back. So.
0: Well, if a reader only knows you from your wily e. Coyote novels, do you feel like he or she is missing out?
1: Uh, no, you're missing the other novels, but I think... Um, I wrote, I wrote these two novels in the same way that I wrote every novel, and the same I take was much care, and, uh, it's, they're character-driven, and it's about people for me, and, uh, and these two I had to solve some kind of crime, that was the difference. People die in all of my books, um, because that's one of the, th- you know, we write about what we don't understand, and, and, you know, lost love, and abandonment and grief, and sorrow, uh, are things that I write about all the time, so, um, I think there'd be a different tone, um, in the, in, in the other books, they were, you know, all, they're all different in their own ways. But um, I think they have a, an idea of how I write, you know, uh, without the amped up crime, which I do in, in these two books.
0: Well, conversely, you know, if someone only knows your earlier work and they haven't read the Wily e. Coyote mm-hmm. novels, do you feel like, you know, they're also, are they missing out on, you know, a part of you as a writer?
1: I suppose in that sense, when you put it that way, it seemed like, oh, yeah, (coughs) excuse me. It's, uh, uh, yeah, this, in some ways there's more fun going on in these, even though there's more people exploding and things like that. Um, that there's, uh, I, yeah, that there's, uh, there's higher energy and and maybe, uh, that's a difference with the, the sort of, uh, the energy of the plot and the events, uh, is, uh, higher than it is and the other books are m- some ways more contemplative uh, and reflective so there's that difference in tone I think
0: well I'd like to just switch gears now and talk to you a little bit about what you like to read uh, here at I see <laughs> we're, we're in your office surrounded by books um, at Read More we always like to ask writers you know what was the the book that sort of d- did it for you that changed things for you you know that you um, you know, the first thing you read that really sort of amazed you and made Mm -hmm. you look at literature in a different way?
1: Well, um, there were a few, and and, um, I read, I'm trying to remember which one I read first, but I think the first one I read um, that uh, was The Catcher in the Rye, um, that I went, oh, my God, Um, and what is this that's happening to me? (laughs) And I remember my mother calling me downstairs for supper, and I wouldn't go, and and I just wasn't leaving this world to go back to the one, the ordinary one. And shortly after that, I read To Kill a Mockingbird, and the same thing was like, this is just amazing. This is what I want to do now. So then that was in high school at some point. Um, and then when I got to college, the book that, that really sort of slayed me in the spirit was uh, Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury. And when I read that, which I didn't understand much of the first time I read it, certainly the Benji section, I didn't, and then... Uh, Went back, but the whole time I was reading, and I was just spellbound. And I said, "Well, this is, this is it." So fiction is now my religion, and this is what I'm going to do. And then I started reading because I hadn't read much before that. And then I just I've been reading to catch up all my life, and 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 I know I never will. They keep publishing more books that I want to read, and I keep buying them (laughs) and all of that. So, uh, so those maybe those three books were the more most important ones. Although there was this other thing, um, there was a series of children's boys' books, you know, the uh, Grosset and Dunlap, who put out like the Nancy Drew series and all those. There was one called the Chip Hilton series, and it was about a, a high school athlete. Uh, it was, it was, they were written by Claire B., who was the uh, basketball coach at CCNY at the t- uh, you know, before that in the 40s or 50s or something, and he wrote these books and I loved them. It was all about ninth inning, two down, three and two count, and, you know, uh, uh, we're going to win the game, all those kind of And that got me sort of excited about the, the dr- that there's drama and that there's a reason to read these books and it, they it were fun and uh, it kind of eased me into, I found myself in those books where the ones in school. I said I don't. I don't live on a farm. I don't have a horse. Uh, the policemen are not nice in my neighborhood. <laughs> Whatever it was. So, um, yeah, I, was, I lived in a housing project, and it was like so. This is a different world out here in my in those books. But playing baseball was something I loved, and so that was it. Well,
0: how does it feel now to have? I mean, there are some critics who have compared your work to Faulkner's. I mean, do you just pinch yourself? You think? <laughs> you no. Know, Excuse me. I don't know if you'd ever imagine that when you were a boy
1: no and you can't take that too seriously <laughs> um, oh I'm flattered of course if anybody says you, you you remind me of this one or that one thank you because you know I was hoping that would happen cuz you know I imitated Faulkner to learn how to write and then I imitated Hemingway to learn how to write and then I went through people I liked I tried to write like them to learn to find my own voice and that's what i did so yeah um, i always think in reviews you're not as good as they say you are and you're not as bad as they say you are but you know so don't worry about them too much it's just like one readers response not everybody's even though it says new york times it's really one person wrote that review so you just uh... yeah don't get too carried away with it just go back to writing so,
0: well back to your taste in reading mm-hmm. uh, If you were in a situation where you could only read books that you've already read in the past, because, you know, as you said, you can't read all the the new books that come out. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were limited, you could only read books you've read in the past, uh, which, and you could only read three. Three
1: books. Yes,
0: you could read those books as much as you want, though, over and over again. Which three would you pick that you really like to just pour over and and read again and again?
1: Well, uh, um, I would, something like the... Collected works, I would do that, I'm going to cheat a little bit, right? The collected works of Alice Monroe, Um, and I I think there's only the selected works, so maybe it would have to be that, and the collected works of William Trevor. And a book that I loved and I used to read every year when I was uh, younger before I really did much writing was The Magic Mountain by Thomas Mann. And I used to, I lived in New England and come... January you know you're not going anywhere for a while it's like take out the big book (laughs) and read it again and so uh, I read it every year And, and, and I haven't read it in many years so it would probably be I would probably want to go back and revisit that book.
0: Well on the flip side of that do you have a book that maybe you've tried to read several times and you've been unable to finish and I'm kind of thinking maybe a book that everybody would know maybe it's very popular but just for you it just never connected.
1: Well, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. It, Finnegan's Wake, James Joyce. I hadn't. I got no clue. <laughs> I think. I think uh, Dubliners is one of the great books in literature. I think the story. Um, um, uh, yeah, the stories in there are as clear and lucid, and um, it's as beautiful as anything ever written. And then, uh, and I, I really enjoy um, Ulysses. But I was never able to get through. I even read it out loud, *Finnegans Wake*, and it helped to understand it. But it was after a while I just thought, well, I'm sorry to say this, but it wasn't for me. I didn't get it. I didn't. I thought it was. uh, I thought he he got a little too mannered, a little showing off, maybe. Um, And uh, yeah, you're smarter than me, but. But uh, I'm not engaged, I guess, and that's probably a comment on me, and not on Joyce. He's a genius. That's an amazing book. I just didn't work for me. But.
0: Well, what is your favorite book to teach?
1: Uh, hmm. Uh, that's a good question because mostly I'm teaching writing, and you know, I would, what it? Is, I would say like it would be a collection or a selection of Chekhov stories. Um, who is, you know, he's the great master uh, of the story, of short stories, um, and uh, I, I think you can learn as much from a Chekhov short story as you can a semester in you know, and narrative techniques, whatever, um, yeah, paying attention. I mean, he's just, uh, I guess, in the end, he's, he would be the writer who means more to me than anybody else, and so I like to, te- I'm going to be teaching not this in a couple of weeks, I'll be teaching a story called Misery" by Chekhov to get read really the first it's this is a, a beginning level class um, in creative writing, so it's poetry, fiction, and all that. and and I'll start the fiction thing with Chekhov because he's so clear what he's doing. Um, so that's I like teaching Chekhov.
0: Well, are you working on anything new these days?
1: Yeah, I have a deadline tomorrow uh, for a book. Um, but it's a book on writing. Um, on uh, It's called Flash, uh, Writing the Very Short Story. I think that's the subtitle. And it actually is due tomorrow. Uh, and that's what I was doing when you walked in, was trying to work on this last little section. Um, and uh, it's a book that is sort of instructional and it has a lot of... Uh, uh, stories from other writers that i put in there and talked about and so that's tomorrow uh i'll get that off and then um i'm writing another book on writing um writing fiction and uh i've started a novel i've got about 80 or so pages into that novel um yeah so that's what i'm working on right now i just did a, uh the second season of a web series called lucky Jay, which will come out in, I think it's premiering in November, um, but the writing part is done. So, yeah, there's I have a lot of, and I'm writing little pieces of st- stories here and there in a play. I'm trying to start and all that, so that's what I really love doing. It's hard for me to leave the writing desk and go out in the world sometimes. I'm getting to be curmudgeonly, and I have to get myself to you know, go to the movies instead of staying home all the time and do something.
0: Well, has anyone um, talked to you about you know the rights for you know the Wiley e. Coyote novels? It's it seems like it would lend itself very well to television or to a movie.
1: Nobody has uh, that I know. Nobody has. I've have uh, one one of my novels, Louisiana Power and Light, was uh, is still under option, um, but nothing. Uh, it's gotten close a couple of times, and then you know all that. I don't know enough about the mo- how the money works. Um, and uh, no, um, but I, I agree. I think they would be kind of more than Louisiana power and Light. I think these novels lend themselves to that kind of, you know, like we're going to have fun <laughs> uh, and uh, a caper kind of thing. But nobody has. So yeah, that's that. But so which is, of course it would be wonderful if it happened, but really, I just want to write the book. so
0: Well, what are you reading right now?
1: Um, what am I reading? Usually, I'm reading a lot of stories by my students. Um, I just got one here in my mailbox, uh, and I'm reading, a, a, a let's see, a book called The Language of Food, and I wish I could remember who wrote it, but he was uh, a, a professor at Berkeley, I believe, who was a MacArthur Award winner. Um, and. Uh, I just, uh, I think my wife had it and I just picked it up and started reading it and and I'm enjoying it and I'm reading a book of uh, essays by a man named Henry Beston who uh, wrote a book that was important to me as a kid. It was called The Outerm- Outermost House. About a year on Cape Cod he spent, he built a, he had a cabin on Cape, on Nosset Beach and lived there. It was kind of... Thoreau-esque, and so I liked, and I just saw that he had this, I mean, he has lots of books, but I just saw this one, and I said, let me get that and read that, so I'm reading that as well, Uh, and I don't think I'm reading any fiction right now, any, other than student work, Uh, and uh, yeah, so those are the two books on the bedside, as it were, Uh, but yeah.
0: Okay, well, John Dufresne, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's really been a pleasure.
1: thank you. It was great for you to do this. I appreciate it.
0: You can find out how to win a free signed copy of John's I Don't Like Where This Is Going on our website, readmorepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, and you can like us on Facebook. Join us again next time for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more.